0: Hi everyone, welcome to the ASF Weekly Science Podcast. I'm Alicia Halliday, and the week before last, we talked about gene-environment interactions and how they work together. This week, we're going to get a different perspective, the importance of genetic mutations, both rare and common, working independently from the environment. Now before we begin, I want to go over the difference between rare and common mutations because these are the two types of mutations that we're going to review today. A rare mutation is a mutation that leads directly to a specific disorder. It's called rare because, well, it's rare. A rare genetic disease is a disease that affects fewer than 200,000 people in the United States at any given time. Now that's per rare genetic disease. There are more than 6,800 rare genetic diseases, including those with a high prevalence of autism. They include things like phelan McDermott syndrome, 15Q syndrome, Fragile X syndrome. There are other lesser known ones like CHAMP-1A syndrome or KIF-1A syndrome, all caused by a mutation that's usually not seen in either parent, although parents can be carriers, and that makes it de novo. And it's the result of a single change in the DNA strand, or a duplication or a deletion of a small region of the DNA. That's called a copy number variation. Altogether, rare diseases affect about 25 million to 30 million Americans in total. And these are rare genetic diseases that range anywhere between those that cause cancer, paralysis, multiple sclerosis, autism, infertility, among other things. Now, how are they diagnosed? Well, at first, chromosomal microarray is the one that's usually used as a first tier genetic test for individuals with autism that is recommended by most doctors. In the past, it's shown that they can attribute about seven to 9% of autism to a rare genetic disorder. That's called the diagnostic yield. However, unfortunately, the chromosomal microwave isn't precise enough to detect single nucleotide variations and small mutations, but only larger, like loss of gain of a huge section of genomic material. They're they're meant to look for big mutations or loss of function of big sections of the chromosome, or even a duplication of parts of a chromosome. In light of recent advances in autism genetics, especially regarding the importance of what's called truncating variants, it's estimated that these rare variants within several hundreds of genes may contribute to autism susceptibility, each of them being present only in a very small proportion of cases. So that's why you get the 7 to 9%. In this context, next generation sequencing is really the best step. It's reasonable and it's more cost-effective than it was 20 years ago to search for these variants in genes that are not detected by a chromosomal microarray, but may help with the diagnosis of a syndrome, not just autism, but others. So more and more researchers and clinicians are pushing the industry standard to be sequencing, not microarray, because some of these rare genetic disorders can be easily found. And I want to reiterate that a lot of these rare genetic disorders have their own support groups. They have other families, annual meetings, ways for people to connect, resources for their particular rare genetic disorder. While I mentioned 7 to 9% of people with autism have a rare genetic mutation, some studies have shown it to be more than 10%. The numbers seem to always be moving around, depending not just on the sample, but then the methodology used to detect the rare genetic finding. So rare genetic disorders are one thing. This is compared to common variation. Common variation is probably where most of the genetic causes of autism are. It argues that the general population has a lot of variation in their genetics. And most of the time, general variation in different genes doesn't lead to things like autism or cognitive disability. However, with the right combination of common variation on autism genes or with a higher load of common variation, it can cause a disability or a disorder. It means just that there's more than one gene involved. Whereas a mutation in SHANK3 causes Phelan-McDermid syndrome, it might take dozens of common genetic variations in genes associated with autism to lead to an autism diagnosis. This is measured by something called the polygenic risk score, which is a risk for something They find variance by comparing groups with certain conditions with someone without that condition. The polygenic risk score reflected by common variation is not a causation like rare genetic mutations. It's only the probability or an increased probability of a diagnosis. So going back to that podcast about genes and environment working together, it could be that environmental interactions on genes are on rare genes or interaction with the combination of common genes. So who is right? Well, in autism, both theories are right. There is in fact, both common and rare variation in autism. And it turns out that those with rare genetic variants are more likely to have things like intellectual disability, delay at first walking, and issues like seizures. Those with common variation, but no known rare variation usually have normal to above cognitive ability. So these biological differences have qualitative and quantitative impact on an outcome. But common and rare variation work together in autism. It's not an all or nothing thing. How do we know this? Well, there's been previous literature, but there's also two recent papers in a journal called Molecular Autism that just came out, and I have the honor of including Bebrong Mijani from Mount Sinai School of Medicine today to explain the role of rare genetic influences as well as common genetic influences. My first question was, why look at rare genetic findings if they're only involved in a small percentage of people with autism?
1: My name is Beharing Mahjani. I'm a researcher at the Siever Autism Center for Research and Treatment at the Icahn School of Medicine at Mount Sinai. Studies suggest that rare variants may have larger effect size than common variants due to the purifying selection hypothesis. Therefore, discovering the rare variants can provide some insight into the understanding of the molecular mechanisms of autism and discovering biological markers that could predict risk of autism. And maybe most importantly, such biomarkers can potentially be a new target for drug development.
0: My second question is what percentage of families have these rare genetic mutations? We talked about seven to 9%, greater to 10% and what kinds? I have to tell you, I asked Dr. Medrani to describe the different types of rare mutations. Remember these don't occur that often, but when they do, they're very influential in neurodevelopment.
1: Our study shows that around 28% of individuals with autism which is almost around one in four individuals, uh, have a rare potentially damaging mutation. In this study, we evaluated both CNVs and SNVs. CNV, or copy number variation, refers to duplication or deletion of a large genomic region. Not all CNVs have an adverse effect on phenotypes. If you observe a CNV in an individual, there are multiple ways to investigate if that CNV is Damaging. For example, we can look uh, if that CNV has been previously shown to be associated uh, with autism. Uh, we can also look into the uh, model of inheritance: if that CNV has been is been uh, de novo or it is inherited. We can check if the CNV region overlaps with known genomic disorders. Uh, the size of the CNV is also very important. Larger CNVs are usually more probable to be damaging. So this shows that CNVs uh, or damage in CNVs, so to say, are associated with several uh, neurodevelopmental disorders, uh, most notably with autism. An example of CNV is a 22q13 deletion, which uh, leads to Phelan-McDermid syndrome. In our study, we observed that around 11% of individuals with autism. Carry the potentially damaging CMV. SMV or single nucleotide variant occur when a single nucleotide is altered in the DNA sequence. SMVs are the most frequent and widespread changes in the human genome, but of course not all of them are damaging. An example of damaging in CMV is green 2 be which uh, is reported individuals with intellectual disability, epilepsy, and autism. In our study we observed that around 18% of individuals with autism carry the damaging SNV A single nucleotide polymorphism or SNP or SNP is a variation at a single position in DNA sequence among individuals which is present in at least one percent of the population SNPs are the most common type of genetic variation found among people
0: so that last type of mutation, what he referred to as a single nucleotide polymorphism, or SNP, is the common type of common variation found among people. So that's the common variation. So that 28% number, why was it so high? I mean, I mentioned 7 to 9%, and then I also mentioned greater than 10%. And then I also said it varied based on the sample and the technology used. Can you explain?
1: As you can imagine from the definition of CNV, they involve a rather large segment of DNA. So it is easier to identify them in comparison to SNVs. There's a large literature describing medical findings as associated with CNVs. However, we know less about the role of SNVs in risk of autism. To identify CNVs, use SNP genotyping, which measures uh, genetic differences between individuals. To identify SNVs, we use whole exome sequencing, which is a genomic technique for sequencing all the protein coding regions of genes in the genome. But what is the actual difference between these two methods, these two technologies? STP genotyping examines about um, 1 million bases of human genome, which is good enough to detect large CNVs. Whole exome sequencing examines about 60 million bases of human genome, which has the required information to identify SNVs.
0: Okay, so let's move on to common
1: variants.
0: In your words, what are common variants?
1: Both rare and common genetic variation contribute to risk of autism. Common genetic variation are the commonly observed genetic differences in the general population. We usually use uh, SNP data to uh, measure common genetic variation.
0: Now, what role do they play with rare variants?
1: In a truly unique study by Professor Devlin, Dr. Clay, and in collaboration with Professor Boxbaum and the co-authors, They found that the effect of common and rare variants is likely combined additively to determine individual level liability for autism. They also found that on average individuals with autism carry a substantial burden of common risk variation, even if they also carry a rare potentially damaging variant.
0: And finally, how can a family know if they have a rare genetic variant? And what levels do they understand about having common variation?
1: Identification of rare genetic variants in individuals with autism can be clinically beneficial, both for diagnostic and genetic counseling purposes. Rare genetic variants, in particular SNVs, can be identified using whole exome sequencing. Whole exome sequencing is not a standard procedure in most clinics, partly due to the high cost. However, as we know, the cost of sequencing is decreasing rapidly, making it more affordable for genetic testing.
0: I also want to reiterate that the theory of a combination of rare and genetic variants was reiterated at a poster at the American Society of Human Genetics just a couple months ago, where researchers revealed that a mix of common and rare variants work together to shape a person's chances of having autism. Common variants exert more of a subtle effect on a person's trait, and it tends to be associated with a high intelligence quotient. Rare variants have stronger effects and typically track with below-average IQ and medical conditions like seizures and pica and hypotonia. But it has been unclear how variants that contribute to the same condition can have such different effects on cognition. Common variation does not mean that autism is common. It means that anywhere between one and 5% of the population has a diagnosis, which to me isn't common. I guess it's common compared to the prevalence of rare genetic diseases. People with autism have higher loads of both rare and common variation, and the common variants are usually associated with genes associated with autism. I want to thank not not just Dr. Medrani, but all of the research working in this area. It might be time to move to sequencing over chromosomal microarray, but it makes things a thousand times more complicated to understanding the genetics of this already complicated disorder. We need more people to help decipher all of this genetic information. Thanks for listening and talk to you next week
1: let